I'd like to thank Motley Fool for sponsoring this episode. I've said before on ads that looking after yourself financially gets harder and harder with the cost of everything going up. Being a tight Scotsman, I use every method I can possible to save a little here or make the most of what I have there. Motley Fool is one way that you can definitely look to maximise your income from investments. The age of stock picking is here with towering inflation and elevating interest rates. Sticking your money in a passive market just isn't going to get you what it used to but it doesn't mean you have to abandon the market there are still ways to invest for the future you just need to know where to look which is where the motley fool comes in the motley fool stock advisor service highlights two stocks each and every month for members to add to their portfolios and it literally is paid to listen to them historically their average stock recommendation is up over 400 percent as of april 10th 2023 and listeners of That UFO Podcast can now access Motley Fool Stock Advisor for just $89 for their first year, a full $110 off the list price. What are you waiting for? Visit fool.com forward slash that UFO. That's F-O-O-L dot com slash T-H-A-T-U-F-O to start your investing journey today. $110 discount off of $199 per year list price. Membership will renew annually at the then current list price. This is Leslie Kane and you're listening to That UFO Podcast. Hi everyone and welcome back to That UFO Podcast. My name is Andy and there is one major piece to talk through this week as there has been a shake-up at the dinner table as Salt and Pepper has been replaced by Salt and Nolan. To discuss this with me, as always, is Dan. He had no idea I was going to say that. Welcome, Dan. That was an excellent opening. I very much enjoyed that. How I'm are you? Really, <laughs> really proud of it. Really proud of it myself, yeah. Um, so, yeah. Um, listen, we were going to do a discussion pod because... Through a Twitter interaction, I asked you what you expected to happen potentially in hearings, what realistically was going to happen. Then I text you saying, wait, don't answer that. That's a discussion we should have. Um, yeah. and put it out there to the listening world for people to hate us or like us or be indifferent. <laughs> um, and on the back of this going to be recorded today, Gary Nolan decided to go viral. Dr. Gary Nolan, to give him his full title, which he deserves, uh, at a SALT conference. So we're going to discuss his discussion points because they are very much worth discussing discussing just to say it again and it's not a conference about salt salt you know no the salt conference stand as everyone will know is the annual flagship (laughs) wall street conference in new york city that convenes the world's leading investors entrepreneurs and policymakers but obviously yeah 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 with all how many salt conferences have you attended like i'm i'm on they give a badge once you hit five years and i'm really looking forward to getting my badge next year Amateur. I've got, the, I've got the Saxo badge <laughs> yeah, yeah, for, for the SALT fans out there. Um, but yeah, so the, that, that is the SALT conference. It's S-A-L-T, uh, SALT acronym. Um, Dr. Gary Nolan, for those who may not know, I'm sure many of you do, he is an award-winning academic in immunology from Stanford University with decades of work and research into cancer and various different types of cancer. Extremely clever guy. You've probably heard him on the podcast, on other people's podcasts. And uh, yeah, he basically was interviewed as part of this conference with all these different academics, scientists, investors, speakers, and he didn't hold back. And I love that because you've got a very clever guy sitting on a stage, which isn't meant for UFOs. And and he talked and he gave his opinion. And the main discussion points, and we'll, we'll talk through them, um, is that about seven years ago, he was two weeks away from seeing a recovered craft that crashed, but then the rug was pulled out from underneath that happening. A whistleblower last week testified to Congress and it created a hornet's nest in Washington. And he thinks everything, almost everything we're seeing in terms of these objects and craft are likely remote controlled drones or AI. And he doesn't mean human. Um, So that was the kind of big, bigger talking points. And then there's some other stuff off the back of that we'll get to because it was from a private conversation with someone who attended. But um. Dan, obviously you woke up to this today, saw loads of people. Or did you see it last night? Because you're a bit of a night owl. So. I, I saw it kind of spreading around as I went to bed, but it was very much, uh, you know, everyone was very excited about some of the things that Gary said. I saw the 100% comment just before I went to bed. And then, yeah, I woke up to a hornet's nest on, on UFO Twitter. Yeah, the 100% comment being that Gary was asked by the interviewer. I think he's 
taken back. He's not blown away. It's not like, oh my God, I can't believe you're saying this. He knew the conversation, I think, where it may go. But the interviewer just plainly asks him, look, what probability would you put to the claims you're making right now? And, you know, that there, there, there's aliens here. And Gary Nolan just says 100%. Yeah, really, that's right. For, for me, it's the equivalent, and I hadn't thought of this, but the Bob Bigelow on the Australian 60 Minutes when he gets asked, you know, he says, they're, right, they're here under our nose. You know, that it's that kind of comment. It's a, it's a really big statement to make. Um, yeah. And I think this is something you're going to see talked about on your Logan Paul podcasts, on your Joe Rogans, on your news networks. I could imagine some of them picking this up as well. Maybe not now, but in the coming weeks and months as hearings take place, I think this is some big stuff that people will go back to. Um, but yeah, so... First off, let's jump into that one seven years ago. So we're looking 2016. Um, he was a couple of weeks away from seeing a recovered craft that crashed. And then that didn't happen. Thoughts? I mean, that's a big statement, isn't it? That suggests that he not only, you know, that he, he'd been kind of almost courted for a while to join the program. Um, you know, whoever made this offer to him had made Lou it clear of what he was going to see. You think Lou has one just in his garage? I, I, no, no. I'm thinking it was the year before uh, TTSA, New York Times article, you know, for going just off of the year, not the calendar year or whatever might happened. Um, some people think Lou has seen more than he lets on. Maybe he has, maybe he hasn't. Was he involved in, you know, we could get you involved in that? and Or was it other folks? Was it your kind of... Hal put off Steve Justice connections with those types of guys, or was it just completely unrelated? And you know, it was a friend of a friend of a friend. And if Tom DeLong can do what he done, you know, with a cracking back catalogue of songs, but no real, <laughs> you know, scientific background, what can an award-winning immunologist, you know, with a real interest in biology and you know cells and chemistry and all that kind of stuff, all that good stuff, what what connections could he get? And I, I, like it's a huge statement to make because I think it's probably fair to preface and I'm thinking a lot of this out loud, so sorry if I'm rambling. But he's got a lot to lose saying this, and he does. And I saw people, I saw some comments online, and they're fair, they're just the normal comments of, he's just on the UFO money you know, bandwagon and he's in this for the fame and celebrity. And you're like, well, he's, I've got his like um, site up here from Stanford, Dan Wright, and... If you look at his academic appointments, um, his professional education, he's got a Bachelor of Science, a PhD, a postdoctoral fellowship. He's got the Burroughs Welcome Investigators Award in Pharmacology. He's got a Scholar of Leukemia Society, Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, Stallman Scholar, an Outstanding Research Achievement, a Thieland Inventor Award. He is a very well-decorated, and I'm sure that comes with financially rewarded, not to say he's a multi-multi-millionaire, he might be, I don't know, but he's... He's not in a place where he has to go and chase the UFO pound and, you know, do the conference scene and go on cruises. And that's not to say that's that's wrong, but he's not that type of guy. And he's not doing it at the Awakening Expo this year or Contact in the Desert or, you know, the Palladian Society, you know, 2023. He's not doing it there. He sat at a very serious conference with people who are there for all kinds of, you know, entrepreneurialships, investorships, policymakers. And he's talking about UFOs and then saying, yeah, I was meant to see a crash spaceship seven years ago. That's a big statement. And I'm going to shut up now. <laughs> That's, I mean, I, I agree. You, you didn't say anything that was wrong there. It makes my mind go towards Kit Green and that kind of stuff. You know, there was crossover there with the government kind of, you know, working with Kit Green, who came out of that kind of Stargate program, which is remote viewing for, for folks who haven't looked into that. Um, and... Yeah, I, I remember Kit Green kind of saying something quite similar, that he got close but was never read in. Um, he didn't have the right tickets or some such. You know, the Wilson documents kind of hold a similar Just going to say the passage, same. right? Yeah. Like someone got close but they didn't quite have the right ticket so they weren't let in. Do, do you think maybe... Because there are a number of scenarios here. One is that, you know, there was administrative tomfoolery, we'll say, um, and access was just denied. The other is that Gary just didn't have the qualifications that they wanted. Um, but that seems crazy since, you know, you just read that list of his qualifications. He's in his field. He is a rock star, right? Yeah. I, I think that's fair to say. 
So these are the minds that you want to bring into a program like that. So it's not far-fetched that he would be asked whatsoever. He seems like exactly the kind of guy they would bring in. Well, you're right. So see see what you said there, though, about you brought in the Wilson-Davis memo. If he had just maybe written down the conversation of what happened or the conversations or the memoir, could it have been the Wilson-Nolan memo? You know, could that have been a thing? Because here is the guy he met and here's who he spoke to and it was in an Applebee's to use a US restaurant type. I know that's a thing over there, right? You know, and he spoke to a five-star general, A.N. Other, who talked to him about the program. And because of his background, he might want to work on some materials or, you know, biomaterials that they've got stored away. And they could show him the craft, where it came from, and it just didn't happen. And then that could have been a whole other part of UFO mythology and lore. But it wasn't written down. He's just talking about it now. So, yeah, it, it could have been the same thing. I guess as far as we know, I, it, it would be great to ask Gary about this. You know, maybe next time he does an interview with with one of the, you know, the many podcasters that he's gracious enough to give his time, uh, they can ask, you know, what's, what's the story behind that? How close did you get? Is there a scenario where you could write it down and it could become, you know, that? Surely that's a new hashtag, though, the Wilson Nolan memo. The Wilson Nolan memo. Wait to salt, salt and Nolan. Wilson Nolan memo. <laughs> it's full of hashtags off the back of this. Hashtag it, folks. Hashtag it. Um, so, yeah, that's a really big statement to make and a bold statement to make for, because that's the kind of comment. If you remember when Avi Loeb got a hard time for writing and talking about Oumuamua as a potential alien spacecraft, and we saw the, the famous Zoom meeting where Avi Loeb's colleagues kicked off at him, calling him all kind of names, and he was being unprofessional and bringing down the, the name of the Institute and his reputation, doing damage to it. That's the kind of conversations that could happen to Gary Nolan, but I think Gary Nolan's the type of character we can see who just doesn't care because, like he's also prefaced, this was his opinion. He was asked his opinion. I mean, that's not opinion. That's something that he's, he's talking about happened, but... yeah. He's been he's been very fair with it. Um, I, I intrigued by so when he he I've just pulled up the transcript here, yeah. and he says it's there, it's there. I mean, I can say this: I was working with a group of about seven or eight, of a group about seven or eight years ago, and I literally got within a few weeks of gaining access to one of the objects. And when the people who didn't want us to gain access to it found out about it, they pulled up some bureaucratic administrative tricks and snatched it away. He says us repeatedly there. Is it? I mean, the timeline lines up. Is to he talking stars. about to the stars? Yeah, I, I would think so. Hal put off Steve Justice, Tom DeLong, Lou Elizondo, Chris Mellon, Gary Nolan. Yeah, that was that was the time where you know it was early on where Gary was you know shoulder to shoulder. Um, Hillary so Clinton. That's, that's curious. <laughs> just, 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 <laughs> I mean, just, yeah, yeah, you're not wrong. I wonder if Hillary. he ever visited. Um, um, they would definitely be pictures uh, on social media, but. <laughs> Yeah, you, you got to wonder, right? That That's curious that maybe he's talking about TCSA kind of getting the right tickets or members of TCSA getting the right tickets. Um, Lou certainly has, you know, the right clearances and he, he made the illusion on another show that he would know where to go to kind of point out the door of this program. Um, and Chris Mellon surely would as well. Yeah, I mean, Lou's probably taught Chris and Eskif and, you know, they've explored the options of how, how do we, you know, put a whole bunch of spotlights on this and get people watching. And this event, uh, Salt, is is an opportunity to, you know, essentially the motive here is, and Gary said it himself, is to just change a few minds, you know, yeah. get, get some research funded um, so they can start doing things like writing policies for governments and like Gary's done already, create a, a really neat, pipeline to kind of test materials and see if they are extraterrestrial or at least anomalous based on what we know of earth so more things like this are only going to help and it's all falling to private organizations at the moment but you, you got to wonder when the government's going to kind of open up about the material side of things that gary is talking about here these people will want to kind of look at say even if it's a waveguide in bismuth or to use one example yeah. um they, they would want to see that and see that it's working before they invested millions into something like this. So the more people we get asking the questions from all these different professional sectors, the more it kind of lights a fire in, in the right places, I think. He mentions a whistleblower last week testified to Congress and it created a hornet's nest in Washington. I imagine that's a figurative and not a, not a literal hornet's nest. Um, Politicians have wings now. The last thing they need is stingers. 
Yeah, potentially. Um, <laughs> yeah, but I mean, we know or we're hearing, I say we know, we don't know, we are hearing whistleblowers are testifying either directly to Arrow, to Congress, a combination or a mixture. Um, but these conversations are happening in the background. Um, so yeah, I, I don't doubt he would know and probably be aware of names as well. What kind of testimony do you think, again, is creating a hornet's nest in Washington, though? It's intriguing, isn't it? The different uses of... I mean, you you put the audio up of the Steve Bassett interview, right? Um, so I can talk about it without spoilers. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. When, when Steve says about um, the use of the word whistleblower and they're actually witnesses, yeah. that's the first thing I asked myself when I heard Gary use that word this time. So thank, thanks, Steve Bassett. <laughs> um, he's right. There, there is a difference, you know? Um, yeah. And I, I would love to know in this case, what side of the line that difference fell on. Is this a whistleblower? You know, find me someone who can point at a lab door and say, go in there and you'll find floating materials, you know? Or is this just someone who thinks they worked on something anomalous, but there's a percentage of a chance, you you know, somewhere that they could just be working on a super secret material for the government that they didn't really understand in other ways because that's not their profession. So, yeah, well... It's a big statement to make, and the general gist of this this whole conversation really went one way to just you know giving the thumbs up and telling everyone start your engines and let's get to the bottom of this. Uh, I I have to keep like a little bit of skepticism back just because you know seventy odd plus years that and I'm we're, like, we're going to finish with that anyway. Aren't we? we're, <laughs> we're going to talk about what you think is going to happen, what might happen, what won't, and we'll we'll be fair across it as well because yeah, we'll have yeah. to give we'll co- we'll cover the bases and other people have as well. Um, but yeah, it's it's it's, it's some massive statements. And then the other big one that was picked up was everything we see or most of the things we see are likely remote controlled drones or AI. That's become a relatively common or popular uh, idea that many of these objects or crafts are unmanned as such. Um, he also mentions that, you know, the likelihood is that these, and he said before, I believe in several interviews, that it's the potential some of these beings, quote unquote, in these objects are like avatars and just kind of bio suits for something else to project or represent themselves to us, um, which... Again, with the advent of, you know, Skynet the last couple of months in the world, uh, you know, with the way ChatGPT seems to be morphing itself into a sentient being um, as we speak, is it so unlikely that in a couple of hundred years or even less than that, we could have something really similar to go out and traverse the, the universe of the stars and maybe something else is just sending its scout ships here first? And we don't know why. And maybe that's what people are seeing. What do you think on that? Because it's not a new idea but it's becoming more and more popular. Well, they always say that, you know, sci-fi inspires kind of the real world and, and back again. Um, Simpsons and did it. Like, Simpsons everything, did it. Everything's been done kind of thing. Yeah. Like... yeah. And, and now we're just kind of chasing those ideas and drones and things like that are really are. They're, they're kind of our current paradigm, right? Like that's how we see the world as standard now. But, you go back in time and these things are kind of called other things. We always talk about the spinning Roman shields and things like that. Like, you, you know, you, you project onto them the the objects that you know and understand as opposed to coming up with what they are. So part of me is really intrigued to wonder if maybe calling them drones is just kind of the best thing that we have right now and that these are actually some extreme form of, you know, biological, mechanical life or something. That That's the kind of one extreme because I love those pie-in-the-sky ideas. But, Do you know, but, on that, I've always been negative about the whole, you know, the when people say drones, it's just the way people are identifying or blowing off the UFO topic. Oh, it's probably a drone, right? But in the past, it was always, oh, it's fake or it's not real or it's CGI. At least saying drone is an acknowledgement that there's something there. Yeah, yeah. There's a there there, that yeah. saying that people <laughs> love to hate. Uh, but yeah, you're right, it, it does say that, and that's that's almost a shift because it's now something that's realistic for our time, you know? Yeah. Back when they were talking about spinning Roman shields in the sky, that wasn't a thing they saw every day. They were just likening it to a, to a shape that they knew. Yeah. Now, we know what a drone is. Uh, we can replicate it. We can make it. So 
there's an idea that whatever it is is kind of coaxing us down a certain technological path. And if that's true, we're certainly following it, right? Because this is a, a concept we understand and we can start grappling with. Um, even though we can't accomplish it, we can kind of visualize that you would use Neuralink and send so much data via lasers to a spacecraft that would have avatars in it. That's not that wild. And yet, you know, <laughs> I've, I've just it had still the, is. <laughs> the idea now in my head, you know, when the huge UFO mothership goes over like the Empire State Building in Independence Day, if you zoom in in the corner, she's got a SpaceX stamp on the bottom of it or GoPro. <laughs> You're like, oh, no, it was one of ours. I was going to swear there, but I wouldn't. Um, but yeah. <laughs> Two episodes in a row. Yeah, yeah. But you, um, you're right, though. Like, at some point, the drones we send to another planet are going to cause the same kind of stir to an intelligent life form as we get from UFOs. Yeah. And and maybe kind of our discovery of that, may, maybe there's a, a specific path that they communicate and they lead things down ready to, to kind of make them ready for contact and yeah, maybe, what was the... maybe we're learning that now as we go. Hi everyone, if you listen to the podcast on an Apple device, you can support directly by going on to Apple Podcasts and clicking the subscribe button. And for less than the price of a coffee per month, you can get early access to episodes, episodes in full, and no adverts or sponsorships like this one you're hearing now. It also supports directly to me at the podcast, so thank you very much. Also, don't forget to go and leave the podcast on Apple a five-star review and make sure you click the follow button too. Thanks. What was the probe? Was it Voyager that went out with the disc and stuff on it? Uh, There were two Voyager 1 and 2. Uh, yeah, some different record spooky recordings as well. Yeah, yeah, weird stuff we sent them. We apologize for that in advance to <laughs> any races listening to this thousands of years in the future. But imagine eventually one of those hits some planet out there in a distant solar system, and they're they're where we are, about a hundred years, two hundred years in the past. That's that's their Roswell. You know, something yep. crashed. There was bodies. There wasn't bodies. There was a disc, and it played weird music, and you know all that kind of stuff. Like that's that's someone else's Roswell, and that's not to say that that's not what our Roswell was. You know, um, who and, knows? And that's that's kind of wild to think about as well. You know, we always say like, why did that crash? You know, it's meant to be so advanced, it shouldn't have crashed. That that's what people say. It just stopped. But then Voyager isn't representative of what we have now and the spacecrafts we yeah. make now. And we're only what like I, I can't remember when it was launched, but we're, we're talking. 50 years to 100 years it's not that long in the grand scheme of things so if they were to build their own james webb telescope to try and look at us the signatures they were looking for based on the technology in voyager probably wouldn't be they wouldn't line up you know we wouldn't have the kind of the the same infrastructure as we had you know 50 to 100 years ago so yeah. our, our fingerprint would be different so everything's like a moving target you know yeah, even like thinking like Futurama, single female lawyer, where they're they're picking <laughs> yeah. up the broad, they're picking up a TV broadcast that wasn't around anymore, and it's like yeah, that's that was old, but that's just what they're getting from us now. You know, they're picking up yeah, they they're still hearing World War Two fighter craft flying about in the skies and those kind of radio signals that are bouncing about and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, um, so I, I guess just then realistically, we should expect over time, at the very least, to see a progression in the technology. So it's kind of interesting that we almost don't, based on cases, you know, we have sources, triangles, tic-tacs, going back, yonks. Uh, so, yeah. so that's really intriguing. I guess that's where the time thing comes in. But we'll, we'll keep it. We'll keep it conservative now. Well, as conservative as we can be talking about, you know, crash retrievals, fully intact flying saucers and remote control AI bio drones. Um, there was a... A listener. God, not a listener. Sorry. I mean, they might listen. But on Reddit, Dan is a noob. Not you. Um, I don't know who it was they? on Twitter, but <laughs> did you see so, someone who attended got to speak to Gary Nolan, they said, and they posted the bullet points of what they had in terms of private conversation with, with Gary Nolan. Sure. Um, and they basically said, okay, so here for the juicier bits from when I got to speak with him. First one, the Wilson memo is legitimate. Does I mean, that sound, Joe? Joe Murgia celebrating. Uh, somewhere Joe Murgia's ears <laughs> pricked up, yes. Hi, Joe, if you're listening. Yeah, or transcribing. Um, I mean, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, that's uh, that's an opinion piece. I mean... Yeah, uh, we know Gary knows Eric Davis as well, so it doesn't really surprise me that he thinks that. It's shocking that he's talking about it in this place still. Yeah. You know, because these but are... at the very least, it's, the it's a faith in Eric Davis, who is a friend yeah. of his. Like, if you said to me, I've, got the, I've had this conversation and I've documented it, I would go... All right, okay, it's a bit fantastical, but there's no reason for you to lie to me. So, cool, yeah, yeah, fair sure, enough. exactly. Um, 
and you've printed off a thousand t-shirts with it on the front and you're selling them for a hundred dollars <laughs> each uh, you're like ah um second one bob lazar is a fraud and he agrees with dr eric davis opinion bob lazar is not hot property right now um eric Weinstein, yeah uh, d uh, d dean johnson wrote his, his his piece on bob lazar he's always been a a divisive character anyway just right now the the arm of the clock is very much against him um where do you sit on the lazar stuff has it changed at all you still the same i keep an ear to it but i i would say i err towards kind of nonsense um or or at very least entertain the possibility that lazar himself was messed with whilst doing a job at you know where he says he worked. Um, yeah. It could have been janitorial, but a bunch of guys pulled him into an office and showed him a bunch of stuff to kind of make him think a certain thing. Um, but yeah, there there are a whole bunch of problems with the disaster story. So yeah, it's curious, but I don't think we're ever going to solve it. I came really close to having him on the podcast, and then really? realized I had messaged a private fan page on Facebook and not the actual Bob Lazar himself. He doesn't have Facebook. <laughs> um, that's what I mean by I came really close to getting him on. Um, so a, yeah, I, I got all excited then. I was yeah. like, "You've been busy. I wonder what other get." And then no, just the yeah, fan page. Like, oh no, yeah. But just would the fan they page. send an impersonator? And they should have. Oh, he's called himself the Bob Lazar fan page. Um, <laughs> so yeah, um, but yeah, fair enough. Um, he said Gary Nolan. Apparently, all of this is from a listener, but I, I've not seen Gary Nolan's rebut it, and I've got a little statement from him at the end as well sure. that he's put out online. Um, he resigned from TTSA because Tom DeLong went off the deep end and some of the things he was posting and was hurting scientific discussion of the topic. That seems 100% realistic and legitimate. We're, yeah, we're talking about like the tweet and deletes, you know, the the bits where we kind of get that you know, Tom is stoking the fire of interest, but at the same time, we're just like, that's a known hoax. So, you know, people find the sources of these things and they never... Tom you know, going up full Atlantis. Yeah, full Atlantis. Full, mode. full Atlantis. Hashtag full Atlantis. Yeah, never yeah. go full Atlantis. That's another good one. Yeah, good quote. <laughs> the, the full Atlantis from Tom DeLong. Yeah. That sounds like a good breakfast, quite frankly. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, do you know what? I'm all for that chat, but there's a time and place. Yeah, 100% agree. Um. So yeah, uh, th- that sounds fair. Um, he thinks that any bodies recovered are not actually aliens, but avatars that they created to interact with us. He's, he said that on other podcasts before. Um, he may have said that when I spoke with him. I can't remember, but yeah, he's I, I definitely think he said that. And it's a really intriguing idea because we, yeah, like I say, we we would want to do the same. But yeah, it why, kind of also plays a little bit into that kind of multiversal idea that maybe the physics over there are very different and it allows them to do certain things with craft that they build here that we will never be able to do. Very out there, but very curious idea. Uh, next up was, whatever it is seems to be testing us and our intelligence to see if we can, quote-unquote, peer behind the veil. He made an analogy that we can make robo- a robotic ant that can create pheromones to chemically speak with ants, but we can't teach them how to make an iPhone. Or, if you've seen Guardians of the Galaxy 3, pure uh, pure creativity. What is it he says about Rocket? Pure creation? He can't, pure you know, creation, yeah. yeah. So yeah, for any GOTG3 fans out there. You know. <laughs> GOTG3 using the hip terms. Yeah, it took me longer to say that than Guardians <laughs> of the Galaxy. Christ. Um, but yeah, no, that, that makes sense as well, isn't it? And that, that goes along with your thing as well about, you know, have we seen a progression in the technology or even the interactions? And to be fair, some of the really old pictures of UFOs that may or may not likely be faked do show an older looking UFO, albeit it's something up there in the sky hovering, you know? So maybe it represented itself that way i don't know and i mean all, all iphones start to look the same after a certain point right you, you know like the small deviations in the technology that we might not know is yeah 100 percent. um i'm sure the insides look lovely uh there will be big news coming out later this summer that will turn heads and change opinion you're looking there at hearings and testimony from uh from others yeah i mean that's that's why we're doing this now and what we're going to get to to kind of finish off um about expectations but interesting timing gary nolan doing this piece with what's being said from your your ross Coulthard's, you know lou elizondo online today has said 2023 is going to be a big year chris mellon's been putting the pressure on it, one way or another if we get to the end of the year even and we're no further forward than we are now and things are still either stalled or didn't happen, you're only giving 
skeptics or pseudo skeptics. I know I've seen that phrase today a few times and debunkers and haters of the UFO topic ammunition. And it would be fair fuel for their fire as well, wouldn't it? Because it's been a big build up and a lot of people are now putting not not Gary Nolan, but what that statement is doing it. But lots of people have put dates and at least time scales on this now of weeks and months. Yeah. And it's like something has to happen. Even even if those time scales drag out, you know, we've heard months, not years, but even if those time scales drag out because of, you know, well here, delays and so on and so forth. Bureaucracy, red we're tape. still talking sooner rather than later. Yeah. Um and, and I feel that's a that's an interesting shift for this subject. You, you know, just that shift from those broad areas. So Steve Bassett borderline gave me a time and day, didn't he? I mean he, like... <laughs> <laughs> he did, yeah. yeah. Um he his whole no, I won't. I won't spoil the Steve Bassett interview. I, I was just going to say about the the questions he'd ask oh, after yeah. disclosure, and and I thought it would be really interesting to ask people what theirs would be and and get them to like email them to you and discuss yeah, yeah. them. And I, I think that would just be really interesting. Uh, there would yeah. be a wide swath of them um, because ultimately, with it being sooner rather than later, we need to start thinking about what a kind of post-exposure world looks like and, and the first things we want to start doing as kind of advocates of this subject um, when that inevitably happens because it does feel inevitable now you know no matter what the skeptics say this snowball is rolling the, the ketchup's out of the bottle you know I'll I'll get back to that when I tell you my what I think will happen my least sure. likely my most likely right because there's there's a conversation there about what that actually means in terms of a post-exposure sure. world yeah. right um, there's the one that still takes a hundred years after to actually get something, but technically. <laughs> yeah. um, next up, I know one you'll agree with. Uh, Graham Rendell won't. He said Rick Doty is full of BS, apparently. So, um, <laughs> I don't know. That's an opinion. Rick Doty, if people know or haven't heard, is well known or labelled disinformation agent because he confirmed himself he was a disinformation agent. Um, yeah. It's, it's a funny one. I've never spoke to him. I've never met him. Dan, you did briefly. Graham Rendell spoke to him Very and said briefly. he was quite an amiable chap, <laughs> you know. Um, and I know others have the same thing. You know, Vinny had him on his podcast, didn't he? But yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, personal opinion on the guy. That's that's uh, Doctor Gary Nolan's opinion. He would know him probably better than we would, or in more detail. Um, another he spoke about was that Dr. Avi Loeb went from a non-believer to fully believing ET is here in under a year due to all the groundwork that's been laid out evidence-wise. Again, where do you sit on, on Avi Loeb? Because that's, I mean, he, I, again, he's been divisive, hasn't he? Depending on where we're at in the, the calendar. Yeah. Some people think he's not doing enough. Other people think he's doing too little. Um, I'm, I'm a big fan in terms of, you know, he, he, he's an open-minded thinker but there's a logic to his thinking. So he, he goes through the scientific method very much like Gary, but Gary's just, you know, a bit bolder about what he likes to say. Yeah. Avi kind of likes to leave people with questions um, that they want to do science to kind of solve. So it's always very practical with Avi, you know, like what can we start looking at? Oh, the data with birds isn't ours. We'll give it to the bird enthusiasts. We'll look at the anomalous stuff. But he, he almost won't even say anomalous, right? It's very very conservative. Yeah. You'd never hear him saying this 100% thing. So, I I mean, I, I would just love to ask Abby the same question. You know, do, do you believe extraterrestrials visited our planet? What's the percentage? And he'd probably be willing to answer, but I can't imagine it would be 100%. No, and it'd be a 10-minute long answer as well. <laughs> At the end of it, you're still not sure if he's answered it. You have to go back and dissect it. Yeah, it sounded, it sounded really good, and the, he's a great storyteller. Yeah. You're right. <laughs> Um, he said there may be various factions here of whatever we are dealing with so it isn't likely one entity or species I think we would both agree with that we may have visitors coming from other planets some of them may be from here already some of them may be from somewhere else we can't even comprehend but all of the above yeah we've, we've spoken about that before haven't we yeah absolutely uh, I think it was there was a SETI paper that said basically if you think of the sky as the ocean we've looked through like but a glass of it and to say that there are no fish in the ocean after looking through a glass of water from the ocean is just idiocy absolutely um trusted names on the topic include stanton friedman uh who just had his anniversary of his passing recently um jacques valet avi loeb he had a low opinion of neil degrasse tyson jacques valet is an interesting one and we've not talked too much about it 
True. There's not there's not a lot to say, I don't think, on it really, but I suppose we can touch on it now. Um he was called into question in terms of his work with Paola Harris on the Trinity UFO case and the research that had gone into behind it. Was that from Dee Dean Johnson as well? It was, yeah. yeah. And, and I remember when this happened, you and I spoke about because we were both surprised we were expecting a Jack Valet book and then it was Paula Harris and Jack Everyone Vallée, was. I, I was just a bit like, oh, okay. Um, and I remember us talking about it and, you know, Paula came on the podcast and she she was very amicable, really lovely for you to talk to. Um, but now this, and, and I, I'd love to hear them to talk about it, you know? Yeah. They're not the kind of people that would shy away from answering to what Dean, uh, Douglas Dean Johnson had to, had to ask, so... Yeah. I think the issue with it for me, um, and this, this people might look at it and go, oh, it's lazy potentially, but it's going into the minutiae of people's backgrounds and digging into records. And, you know, I, I, I'm not an investigative journalist, and this takes a particular type of person who can really go into the fine granular details of a story, but then find 10 other aspects of the story. And basically they've picked apart that Jose Padilla and others involved aren't who they say they were. And they basically created a fictionalized version of what happened and went along with that story. My my issue with the whole thing, I always took it just at face value that, you know, Jacques and Paola done their, their groundwork. Um, and I asked Paola this and never really got a good answer that I was happy with, and I really should have dug deeper on it, was her point was that these were children and it was the testimony of children. And I was, it wasn't, though. These were elderly adults telling you about something that happened when they were kids, as opposed to the Aerial Phenomenon documentary where we see the footage of the children talking about the incident in the schoolyard yeah, and what right. they witnessed. We actually see that. We don't have... The, the aerial school stuff has almost no impact in modern day. If four of them came forward now, having never talked about it or mentioned it, and as adults told us they saw a flying saucer in their schoolyard 30 or 40 years ago, doesn't happen. There's no documentary. It's not a big deal. Yeah. It's, a cliff, it's a cliff note. That's it. Um, and that's sort of what happened with the Trinity stuff, where it was people who were far, far older who came forward to say when they were kids, something amazing happened. Not that there wasn't a lot of research and groundwork done by Jacques and Paola, but it just seems there are questions around the character of some of the witnesses going back. So that was that was that, and I, I'm not well informed enough to to comment on it, um, and I don't think I could be to be honest because you just have to pick a side with that one really. And yeah, I like UFOs, not character assassinations. <laughs> That's well put. Uh, Gary said, "Insult, believe the data, not the conclusions," and I think here. You know, we're reading Dean's conclusions and he's presented a lot of the data along with it. But, you know, I, I haven't been through it with a fine tooth comb, uh, so I wouldn't like to say. But I just know that they would be happy answering questions about it. So I'd, lo I'd love to hear them asked, you know, stuff like that. And if people ever are interested in how I look at that, I look at it and go, oh, I know the story. Really interesting. That'd be really cool if that did happen. Here's some work from Jacques and Paola putting forward. And then now I know there's a, a serious journalist and researcher has done some work to say, actually, we could call into question the whole story being a hoax because of questionable practices and backgrounds of a few witnesses. And it's enough for me to go, I'll let other people do the work to work out if there's something to that or not. And I've always filed it away under my, it'd be cool, but who knows, pile. Yeah, exactly. There are, there's a certain, because of the things that I've seen in the sky that I think were anomalous, it, I, I always feel silly telling someone their experience didn't happen, unless they're very obviously trying to pull a, a hoax. Um, I tend to err on the side of, you know, just listen to people. <laughs> it doesn't yeah. take much. 100%. Um, also, to I think the last part was, I uh, Gary Nolan says, I also met another gentleman who was attending who said he used to work at NORAD. Oh, wait, no, sorry, scrap that. It was the, lis the, the listener. Stop saying the listener. That's very egotistical. Um, the person who attended the conference who was making these notes says he also met another gentleman who was attending who said he used to work at NORAD using AI to track hypersonic UFOs and they saw them all the time. Purely anecdotal, cool anecdote, but there's, yeah, that's, that's yeah. all you can really say uh about that. I mean, to, to that, I would say, you know, you can go on uh, a website that tracks satellites and there's a lot of data from American systems where they will show you what are called kind of sometimes uncorrelated targets, which means they don't know what they are, which means the UFOs. So technically, you can see the NORAD tracking system online 
tracking a bunch of UFOs. Um, but no, 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 hypersonic, you know? Uh, that, mm, that's I wish I had the bunker. Mm. I know. But only that portion. And there were, of course, satellites that they don't tell you were up there because the military satellites and things like that. But again, none of those are hypersonic. So if we're seeing those movements in things, um, I, I really want that data out there. I'd like to thank Laird Superfood for sponsoring this episode. My nutrition has changed a lot over the last year since I decided to look after myself a little bit more, not just for me, but my family too. One constant though is my coffee, and you'll know I'm a big coffee lover. It's not just part of my morning, but my daily routine. Laird Superfood and their creamers have been a bit of a game changer for me in taking my coffee game to a whole new level. It's the perfect way to not only fuel your morning, but your whole day with organic, natural, plant-based ingredients. And for me, as a diabetic, there is no sugar from highly refined coffee corn syrup. There's also a huge variety of snacks, baking mixes and protein options for you to try all made with plant-based ingredients to keep you charged for whatever life takes you. Are you ready to feel more energised, focused and supported? Go to lairdsuperfood.com and add nourishing plant-based foods to fuel you from sunset to sunrise. Use promo code THATUFO at checkout to save 15% off your purchase today. Dan, do you want to hear Gary's uh, statement he made on Reddit uh, to kind of back up what's been said after all of this? Go for it. He says, and I quote, I guess I am surprised anything I said is surprising to anyone. People have been talking about the entire matter for decades. Ross Coulthard and George Knapp have been talking about it on their shows as well as many others. Richard Dolan has written entire books about it. Conferences are held on it at UAP dedicated conferences. It was probably news to many in the audience if they've ignored it on Netflix documentaries or otherwise not part of the echo chamber. We'll have to see if Congress decides to bring more information forward or context things in a way that is significant. I personally doubt that if any public scientist gets access to the materials it will see the light of day before much study and maybe a publication indirectly referencing it. I'd like to hope and advocate otherwise. In the meantime, Avi Loeb's Galileo project is a best of class approach. Fair comment. And he also prefaced what he'd said on Twitter by saying he was asked his opinion on a lot of things and he gave his opinion. So I think you have to applaud Gary. And I think I said as much on Twitter that he sat there and and gave his honest opinion. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, he, he's right. You know, some, sometimes we feel like these people are fully embroiled in the behind the scenes stuff. Um, if Gary's convinced that there's extra extraterrestrial visitation going on, then that's his opinion. You, you know, no one can really snipe at him for that. Uh, I'm sure people are online. But again, they should they should listen to the why of it as opposed to um, just saying that it didn't happen. If Gary was weeks away from getting access to a program that he somehow knew was going to give him access to a UFO, um, I almost had a real live UFO, but that may or may not be true, depending on the theory you subscribe to. Um, yeah. Then, yeah, I can absolutely understand why he'd say 100%, obviously. Um, you know, I'd feel confident saying 100%. Would, would you? Mm, 1995. Like, yeah, no, yeah, nah, yeah. Like, but only in the sense of, like, it could be something else, right? Like, yeah. Yeah, sure. Yeah. On that. Um, a lot's been made of this summer, the coming weeks and months, potential whistleblowers, revelations, hearings. Um, as I mentioned, we were going to initially come on and talk about uh, what we're about to, but the Gary Nolan stuff happened. I dash you on Twitter, again, like I mentioned before, realistically, what do you think's actually going to happen this summer? Um, I thought I'd bring it on here for us to discuss, because it's interesting conversation, I hope, for people. I've got some comments from the Discord and YouTube as well, so thanks to anyone who got in touch. Uh, Dan, I'm going to ask you first, okay? So I'm going to ask you, this summer, not in terms of, you know, your love life or, you know, your, your Starbucks drink getting made, in terms of UAP, UFOs, what do you hope happens by the end of it? What's the least likely thing to happen? And what's the most likely thing to happen? So shall we go with hope first? So what do you what do you hope happens this summer? And and we're being realistic in the hope, right? Yeah. Okay, sure. So realistic in the hope would be that we get our next report on time, that it's kind of a little more detailed than past efforts have been, you know, based on the hearings and the fact that Kirkpatrick came prepared with charts and bar graphs and he, you know, he he had the data down. So I'm hoping we see it a little more filled out a bit more informative and more legislation coming out that basically fills all those gaps that were identified during the hearings. So for example, giving Arrow Title 50 access where they only have Title 10 now, giving them 
some some harsher language they can use to do their job and label things anomalous as opposed to just leaving them as unsolved uh, in the archive. We'll hopefully see more politicians becoming interested in this as it goes forward. Maybe it even comes up as a kind of airspace security issue during the the kind of conversational run-up to the elections that are coming up. And, you know, that would start early this year. And we'll also be probably, I mean, there will be classified briefings as we go that happen every quarter according or because it's, you know, dictated that needs to happen in the legislation. So our politicians will become more informed as we kind of go forward every quarter. And the most likely thing that can happen would be that we'll definitely be hearing more about Chinese balloons and seeing more things like that as we open up these radars and start trying to identify things that we, we don't know what they are. Um, so I got hope and most. Did you give us least likely? Least likely is we're not going to see alien bodies. After Gary and his conversation, I'm like, could they bring out a little chip of something and go, here you go. Like, they, there's your answer. Um, you know, there's my proof that I worked on the legacy program. Maybe uh, that feels a little more realistic after listening to Gary talk. But I, I wouldn't say we're going to see like a full craft on the lawn of the White House or alien bodies brought out for testing. So I'm going to quantify my what I hope happens by I'd be happy with. OK, so what I hope happens is there are hearings. Um, they'll likely be closed doors and we just hear bits from those and people like your Timber Chets, Kirsten Gillibrands and others maybe come forward and talk about some of the things that are happening in the background. But that from those, we get the hearings where the language gets pushed a little bit further forward in terms of non-human anomalous phenomena, not adversarial tech. Some of that stuff we hear a Chris Mellon, a Lou Elizondo and others, a Gary Nolan say on podcasts and news networks, but hear that in a political setting that news big news networks sit up and take notice and start calling these folks out on major networks just to really push that language into the public forum and that people start to hear, ah, oh, non-human, do you mean like alien? And just start to have that on the periphery, um, that things can move forward at a better pace and kind of open the floodgates a bit more. If the tap's on and it's dripping, the tap needs turned a bit more to let more water start flowing. Um, that's my realistic hope. The least likely thing to happen is that we have any type of capital D disclosure as much as other people have said as much. Um, and that includes talking about crash retrieval programs. I can't see it happening. I want it to. That, that would be a mega extreme. I can't see it happening. Um, I can't hear the word alien being used. That'll be one of the least likely things to happen. Um and a lot of this stuff, the least likely thing is that a lot of this is made public as well, as much as possible to be kept behind closed doors. So then off the back of that, what is most likely to happen is we get, honestly, I think that escalations worldwide turn up a notch again in other countries. And it kind of goes on the back burner a bit because geopolitically, it's not the hot topic. And the news media will be more interested, even if hearings happen and the fact that Russia, Ukraine is still happening, China's getting involved, US, UK allies are ramping up and supplying Ukraine and it gets delayed and put on the back burner. That's honestly where I can see it happening right now, unless something big changes. Um, and if you were, for example, the Air Force looking to hold all this down or, you know, some bureaucrat that was that doesn't want this stuff out, then you can just pin your 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 hopes on. Do you know what tensions are escalating elsewhere? You're not going to deal with that when you've got Russia pointing nukes at you know X, Y, and Z, using tactical nukes in Ukraine. Who's going to be talking about UFOs? That's an easy way to dampen it down. I hope not, but I think there's yeah. I, I really don't know right now. I don't know if you're the same. Well, like I, I genuinely. I can't be as confident as a Stephen Bassett or a John Ramirez or or a Ross Coulthard or whatever. But looking at a Ross, looking at a, a Gary Nolan, they are infinitely more informed than we are. Um, I wouldn't speak for you, but definitely me. Um, 
and oh definitely me too (laughs) yeah well we knew that yeah but you know they 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 are far better informed than we are and they seem to things things are coming that makes me confident yeah exactly it like you said earlier there's there's now a kind of reputations are on the line from some people that i have a lot of respect for so i'd be very surprised if these things didn't come to pass I'll read through some of the comments, Dan, and you can just give us your very quick thoughts on them. It might even sure. just end up being a word at the end of the, the day. I won't I'll, them all I'll give a syllable for each. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, uh, Junior on YouTube says, I hope for a complete declassification, an open discussion in all layers of all societies. This is also the least likely scenario, so I think a bit like me. <laughs> That's yeah. fair. <laughs> yeah, totally fair. It must be Scottish. Um, probably two or three new pieces of information will come to light, which will be largely ignored by all the people who are not already entrenched in the subject. Sounds pretty fair and also reasoned. fair, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Reed Speed said, and do you know what? I've not read these all in advance properly. I skimmed them, so I hope something massively offensive doesn't come up here. <laughs> um Read speed 7750. I hope thinking logically like Spock really gains momentum. I think this is the least likely thing to happen in your English Earthman summer. And most likely we will see an increase in homelessness, especially in the over 50s age group. Wow, bleak, but yeah. Can... I mean, yeah, true. And yeah, if you can if you can spare some money to, to donate to local charities to help homeless folk, do so. Yeah, I always stick a bag of food shopping i don't need to be praised as a hero but some folks know that i put some stuff when i'm in tesco and that in the food banks because it's awful we have to have i food thought banks you were gonna say you like left a bag of food outside like like for hedgehogs you, no, you know no. <laughs> it's not like a it's not like i give a penny take a penny <laughs> i buy something and put it in and take something i want no i don't do that <laughs> um shane pack hall uk shane patrol shane patrol shane patchel there you go cool name uk um and it oh shane patrolock yeah, sorry, you're probably not based in the UK, Shane. <laughs> but you know who you are now. I've said your name so many times. This summer, I hope what will happen is full disclosure. The least likely thing to happen is full disclosure. And what is most likely to happen is, and I like this, Lou Elizondo's book comes out and hints at full disclosure coming eventually. <laughs> to- totally fair. Also a realistic scenario. <laughs> yep. Um, I've got to read out Snapshot PT. Always the same old story. Next summer will be the one and it never happens. It's the UFO topic, and you, yeah, post I mean, that again next year. Yeah, can't can't deny that. You, you know, we we always say it's a long game, but for some, it's it's a little too long, and yeah, it's getting tiresome for for a lot of people. Yeah, um, Glenn Wilson. I hope the government's holding these secrets open up. I least expect them to. Uh, looks like I have mistrust in governments, and quite rightly so. So yeah, yeah, nice. Um, hope for the best this summer I hope independent witnesses with footage and testimony will move forward into the public kept safe and that their stories will cause Congress to go full bore with building a bridge to real disclosure the least likely thing that will happen is to see any real change in those actual powers wanting to do anything that might undermine their power and the most likely things to happen will be one more trickling of new honest footage to continually spark the conversation and two more uh, yeah, so uh, I won't read the comment on the Weaponized podcast because I like Weaponized with George and uh, Jeremy, but yeah, that's your opinion. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I can like, get a sense of what that was. Yeah, like I say, I didn't fully read a, these beforehand. A super fan. Yeah, super fan. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, I like I like some of the stuff you've put on there. And that thing about new footage, listen, I'd be over the moon if at the end of the summer we had another Tic Tac Gimbal, you know, type video. And I don't mean the other stuff that's being brought out by others i mean something literally you know again like like we had there something really meaty um that wasn't instantly dismissible as a missile would be good um yeah yeah exactly just something that hints at one of the observables in a really non-debatable way would be wonderful yeah um and a couple from the discord channel as well thanks to anyone who took time to post them over there mike says uh, this summer i hope what will happen is a dod or related department whistleblower will take an official et public uh, oh will take an official et encounter public i was going to say i thought he was hoping to get abducted and um, but yeah so we'll take an official <laughs> et encounter public yeah so someone from the dod to, give, to give say, a choice would you would you get abducted no 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 no, no too much to do (laughs) not not again um 
<laughs> controversial. Um, that's where the that's where I should play the UFO clip in the podcast. Just fades out. People are like, ah, oh, part two coming next week. All for clicks. Um, lol. I think the least likely thing to happen still, Mike, is a DOD whistleblower will take an official ET encounter public. I like a lot of people putting the most and least likely thing is exactly the same yeah, thing. Yeah, the same thing. I genuinely never thought that might happen. And um, the most likely thing is the Pentagon or Congress reveals that an AI-driven UFO factory is active in the Atlantic Ocean and has been for decades. Oh, that's within- the 4chan thing, right? Is it? Some, someone posted something on 4chan where supposedly it's a laugh. Like I read it and I thought it was someone laughing as well, which is like live action role play. If someone's never heard of it, that's listening. Um, and yeah, it had details about uh, things like how the craft work and, you know, who the aliens are and so on and so forth. And part of it was that there's a, a UFO factory in the Atlantic Ocean that's just kind of making these, I guess, von Neumann probes, as Gary explained it in Salt um, or at Salt. But yeah, Doesn't it sound gets unrealistic. pretty far-fetched, though. You, you know, and 4chan has a, a reputation of this kind of lapping. Um, a you broken know when, clock is right twice a day? I mean, yeah, there's that. So you got to hold it very lightly. Um, it sounds like a good movie anyway. <laughs> yeah. um, Dalimar said Stephen Bassett stole the word right out of my mouth in his recent talk with you. Andy, I hope this summer there is a form of plain vanilla disclosure, whether forced out or voluntarily provided, that creates the holy grail of disclosure discourse, the topic becoming an agenda for a US presidential election cycle, which is a really interesting take on it. And I was I was glad Stephen brought that up. And you mentioned it before, Dan, about the electoral cycle in the US sure. kicking off. Um, forcing it into the public square to be debated openly in a presidential election cycle, and by doing so, allowing other Western democracies to follow suit in their own election cycles. Dan, yes or no? Um, is it going to be discussed in the upcoming presidential... Is it, are they called primaries and elections? Yeah. Can you see you'll, this being... You'll, you'll have run-ups to primaries and run-ups to the election, but yeah, you'll that whole cycle. Fox I would, US I would screaming at us. Yeah. To, uh, um, hey, I've seen the West Wing. They, they, need, to, they need to back off. Yeah, like me too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, yes, I think it will come up, but it won't be framed as necessarily UAP. It'll be framed around the Chinese balloon and airspace incursions. Uh, which really is how we've been talking about UAP since 2017 anyway. Um, so you don't so, think anyone will mention aliens in any way, shape or form? No, I don't think so. But we will talk about unidentified objects in the sky that we need to tackle in, under the guise of airspace security. Yeah. Cool. I, I would think even a Kirsten Gillibrand, if she ran for president and was asked up front in some kind of debate, you know, you're an advocate of the UAP topic. Do you think any of these could possibly be an alien technology? I think she would like you say we'll talk about you know there are things in our skies that we have to look at closely and it would, it would be framed that way she wouldn't come out yeah. and say yes and i yeah. think she'd probably be silly to it this time yeah we, we know the game by this point right we, we know how they're framing things and and that's the way they want to talk about it and yeah fine it gets us to the same place which is figuring out what these things in the sky are um and the last one mr calhoun from discord this summer i hope what will happen is an admission of the presence of a form of non-human intelligence on earth pretty straightforward but yeah that's that's the one we want i think the least likely thing to happen is that you can walk carefree on the sidewalk in a great alien bodysuit without having to face public ridicule as i always like to say disclosure hasn't really happened until you can and the though i think the most likely thing to happen is some fantastic ufologist balencia uh, balenciaga memes and ai generated oh okay um some fantastic ufologist memes and ai generated testimonies as well so probably and and to the walking down the sidewalk comment without being laughed at, go go to New York, do it there. No one will laugh at you. It's full of characters. <laughs> People will just kind of go, "Yep, there's a New York," and just walk straight past the gray. So if any hybrids are listening, go, go move to New York. They wouldn't notice you. And Dan, to finish off, you want to discover Brazilians, uh, UFO Brazilians, not yeah, the waxing. Right. So what what was the name of the place that, about that that James Fox documentary, Moment of Contact, Virginia. So you'll be glad to know, because we, we were saying that it kind of gives you a heart attack every time you have to say it. Um, you you would say it, Vahinya. There's no je in there. Then I sound pretentious. It depends. Literally, so Spanish-speaking countries, they will pronounce certain letters differently. So, like, you know, some people say Barcelona. I was going to give the Barcelona. example of Barcelona v. Barcelona. Literally, that's just the dialect. That's so severe, it's not necessarily severe. pretentious. It just means you're from a certain area, and that's how they say that letter. So, yeah, you can always pretend. <laughs> Being from Glasgow, I'm going to have to stick with my Virginia uh, pronunciation. 
for all your fans out there. Um, but <laughs> uh, yeah, that is fair. Would you like to hear a chat GPC joke? Go on. Why did the alien throw beef on the asteroid? He wanted it a little meatier. That is all for this week's show. Thank you very much for listening. Please remember to leave the podcast a review on your chosen platform. You can like, retweet and subscribe. That would all be very much appreciated. The shows are being uploaded onto YouTube as we speak more and more. You can sign up at patreon.com forward slash that UFO podcast to access shows ad free as well. Please get in touch on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, that UFO podcast. Of course, on Twitter, it's at UFO, U-A-P-A-M. And again, folks, as always, keep looking up. You never know what you might see. It wasn't a tic-tac and not quite a saucer, more like a hubcap designed by Chaucer, a little Baroque and quite steampunk, like Alice was playing bass for the Parliament of Fuck. The little fucker hovered right outside of my window, and when I shoved out the screen, he made it an issue. I'd like to thank Wongo Puzzles for sponsoring this episode. My house is filled with all sorts of jigsaws, shape games and puzzles. Definitely a favourite of the family. A very welcome addition to those has been Wongo Puzzles. If you're looking to try something new and exciting, then pick up a custom-designed, unique, handcrafted puzzle from Wongo Puzzles. It's the perfect balance of good fun and a challenge. Even the folks in Congress who couldn't work VLC Media Player during live UFO hearings would be able to give it a go. They are 100% wooden puzzles. They will last forever. Each piece is hand-drawn, so no two pieces are the same and you'll discover some fun, whimsy pieces as you work through it. They come in a custom wooden box, which is perfect for storage and gifting. Personally, I'm a big fan of the snow globe puzzle. Gives you that all-year-round festive feeling, and you'll see what I mean if you pick that one up. What are you waiting for? Go to wongopuzzles.com and pick up your puzzle today and be sure to use the promo code THATUFO to get 10% off your order. This is the most fun you've had with a puzzle guaranteed or your money back. Go to wongopuzzles.com and use the code THATUFO to get 10% off your order and get puzzling right now.